Resiliency, thy name is the Green Bay Packers. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I am your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's hard-fought, back-and-forth, side-to-side, crisscrossing, diagonal 31-24 road win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night at Arrowhead Stadium. With the win, the pack improves to 7-1. Holy shit! Can we just pause and reflect on that for a minute? 7-1! and one. Our beloved Green Bay Packers are 7-1. and one. Half the season is over. We're at the midway point, And they are 7-1. and one. With a rookie head coach. Again, holy hell. Who could have ever guessed that? Unbelievable. So yeah, 7-1 and one on the season. Obviously keeping them in first place in the NFC North. They remain a win, plus the tiebreaker ahead of the Minnesota Vikings, who won on Thursday night to get to 6-2. The Detroit Lions are now in third at 3-3-1 after their win over the New York Giants. And the Chicago Bears are now the cellar dwellers. <laughs> cellar dwellers. Bears down in the basement. At 3-4 after they lost to the Los Angeles Chargers, Green Bay's next opponent, at Soldier Field. More field goal kicker problems for Chicago. Missed Pinero missed one at the end. Looked like it was going to be good. Then it hooked left. <laughs> Remember how much shit the Bears fans talked last summer? Well, in the offseason and through last summer. Trubisky's the new best quarterback in the division. The Packers are done. Get ready for the Nagy era. <laughs> Three and four and then last place. All right, before we get into the fun, you could argue we've already been having some fun, but before we really dive into it, I want to mention the social media accounts, the email accounts, Twitter, LemsMKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, O-L apostrophe Bag of Donuts. I'm going to start doing some work with that page, putting up some funny photos and some funny memes and things of that nature here pretty quick. And the email account, old bag of donuts, ol bag of donuts at Gmail. I'd love an email. Come on, one email. Chris, you're awesome. I listen to you on my morning commute. Chris, I spend my lunch with you listening to the show. Chris, your show stinks. I don't like those as much. But I'd love it. Any feedback you have, send it my way. And if you're on iTunes, if you're listening on the Packers Talk Net iTunes page, Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating. That'd be great too. We like fives. Those are our favorite. Okay, so now that I got the shameless self-promotion out of the way, let's get into this game. Damn, what a back-and-forth affair, eh? My youper's coming through there, eh? Now, of course, there were some incredible individual performances, and I'm going to get to those in a little bit. The first thing I want to talk about, as mentioned in the lead, something Matt LaFleur mentioned in his presser, is just the resiliency from this Packers team throughout the game tonight. I mean... Really, you could say they've, I mean, they've been resilient all year, which I'll talk about that in a little bit too, but I mean, it seemed like the majority of the talk surrounding this game was how the Packers should win and win comfortably, right? No Mahomes, although you wouldn't have known that from watching the broadcast because they showed his reactions every five seconds like he was Taylor Swift at an award show. What was that? 
Like, I didn't need to see Pat Mahomes reacting to everything. He's just standing there staring blankly. And, like, occasionally he would be like, F yeah, or, like, shake his head at something or laugh. I mean, it really was. It was like Taylor Swift. Or if you're old enough, Jack Nicholson at award shows was like that, too. They should show his reactions. I don't need to see their reactions on everything. Someone suggested to me on Twitter that they should just do a picture-in-picture with Mahomes in the game. I mean, it would have made more sense. But yeah, so no Matt, no Pat, Matt Mahomes, no Pat Mahomes. That's his brother. Um, so it felt like, yeah, it felt like. I mean, I think everybody in the nation, as far as national analysts and prognosticators go, I think they all picked Green Bay. I know everybody on the NBC pregame show did. So yeah, you thought it felt like the Packers should roll, right? And after the hot start tonight that puts Green Bay up fourteen nothing, it did seem like that was going to be the case. But if you're like me, anyway, I mean, you knew Casey was going to punch back. There was just too much talent on that team. Andy Reid is just too good of a head coach. They're at home. They're a little desperate. You knew they were going to punch back, and they did. Actually, they punched back way harder than I thought they would in that second quarter, right? They scored 17 straight points, and they really put Green Bay up against the ropes a bit, I thought. They were definitely up against it. I mean, they made some key adjustments. Offensively, Kansas City seemed to feature more motion stuff, getting the ball out of Matt Moore's hands quickly to kind of negate Green Bay's pass rush. And both those changes worked to a T, man, especially combined with the soft zone defense Green Bay was playing, really, that they played all night. I mean, the Packers almost never blitzed. At one point in the second half, Chris Collinsworth said they'd only sent pressure four times, I think. And that was fairly late in the game, right? Green Bay preferred to play almost a prevent defense. I mean, I wasn't kidding when I said that on Twitter that they had been running basically a prevent defense all night. I mean, they clearly respected, or is it feared, KC's speed. And they weren't interested in getting gashed for chunk plays. Not that that, I mean, they still kind of did, but they did, especially in that second quarter. I mean, KC ate them up, man. And it felt like the Packers just didn't have any answers. And offensively, they just couldn't adjust to KC's heavy, heavy blitzing. Collinsworth, you know, again, if you follow on Twitter, you know, I said, I like him when he's not calling Packer games, but when he calls Packer games, I'm like, shut up, you hillbilly. Stop talking so much. It's just kind of hee-haw. Or maybe it's just because I'm so biased. I don't know. But either way, he made a great point about, you know, they kind of, they were trying to play coverage early in the game, and the Packers were just killing them. And I think, what was what was his quote? It's like Kansas City said, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging, we're just going to blitz every time. And as a result, I mean, that that worked. That really killed Green Bay's offense. They went cold. And now the Packers, after a hot start, everybody in the nation picking them, hey, they're down at the half. And it didn't feel great, did it? It kind of felt like, I don't know, I don't want to say I thought they were going to lose. But again, it was just such a sea change in that second quarter. It felt like, you know, it just didn't feel like they had any answers for any of it. But again, there's that resiliency, right? The defense gets a stop to start the third quarter. The offense rips off an 8-minute and 33-second drive that culminates in a Mason Crosby field goal tie game. Okay, yes, that drive should have ended with six points, and Rodgers took a terrible sack on third down. Terrible test. Just unacceptable sack on third down. But still, they stabilize themselves, right? Then, on the first play of KC's next drive, defense finally breaks through the big play. Tyler Lancaster. But how quietly good has he been this season? Quietly, I think he's been very, very good. Knocks a ball out of LaShawn McCoy's hands and falls on it. You know, I don't I don't know how he doesn't fumble more. He carries that ball like he's like a basketball player taking his two steps 
going up for a dunk or a layup. I don't know how he doesn't fumble more, but either way, big play from Lancaster, and then he falls on it after knocking the ball out, Packer ball. How funny was it that Casey, (laughs) with that pile up, was arguing that they had it? I mean, Lancaster, the dude is as big as a house. Like, if he falls on that ball, that effing ball's his. You're not getting that ball. No one's pulling that ball out. It's like trying to pull a ball out from a bear. It was funny that Casey was like, no, 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 we got it. It's like, no, 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 you don't. I knew they didn't. Right? So the Packers capitalize on the beautiful, ridiculous, insane, I think, unplanned throw no matter how much they sell it otherwise, from Aaron Rodgers to Jamal Williams in the back corner of the end zone to take the lead back. More on that in a bit. Don't worry. Right? So then KC, right? Back and forth. They charge back. 10-play, 75-yard drive. Tie it back up. Packers don't blink. Second play of the next drive. Rodgers with the quick pass to Aaron Jones at the line. He weaves through traffic, busts into the open field, Takes it to the freaking house. Touchdown, 31-24 with 8.02 to go. What a play from Aaron Jones. You know, I thought it was going to be a big gain fairly quickly because you could see he had space. Once he got just past that second level, I was like, he's gone. I knew. I was like, they're not going to catch him. I was like, that's a touchdown. And, and it was. You could just tell with his speed, his breakaway speed, right? And then the guts, this team, more on Aaron Jones in a little bit too, of course. And then the guts this team showed closing the game out, taking over at their own two-yard line with 5.01 to go. Wow. I mean, of course, in that spot, you're thinking it'd be great if they could execute the five-minute offense and use up all the time. But realistically, I mean, you're just at, at that spot on the field, you're just kind of hoping they pick up a couple of first downs. At least I was. I was like, if they could get a couple of first downs, use Kansas City to force a timeout or two and punt it away, I mean, at least KC wouldn't have all their timeouts and they'd be sort of up against it as far as the clock goes to drive down to tie the game. But what did they do? They just kept picking up first downs. Just kept grinding and grinding. And with the game on the line, how fitting was it that it was Rodgers passing to Jones on third and five. Jones lined up as a wideout to stick the freaking dagger in Kansas City's heart. Awesome. I gotta take a drink. Awesome stuff. Get myself all worked up here. All right. So, of course, I mentioned I was going to talk about some of the individual performances. You can't start anywhere else other than the two errands, right? Mr. Rogers and Mr. Jones. How dominant they were. I mean, I don't even know which one to start with because they, both their performances were so epic. I'm going to start. I got to start with Aaron Jones, right? Seven catches, 159 yards. I believe someone said on Twitter that was the most... Uh, receiving yards by Packers running back since at least 1950. Incredible, incredible performance. And and doing his damage receiving in a bunch, you know, I love some of the play designs. That little angle route they ran onto the backfield, kind of near the KC red zone that got Jones, he got the ball down, what, to like within the five? And then they culminated on the Jamal Williams touchdown. Um, that was great. Um the stuff, you know, like I mentioned, the play that ended up being the dagger, having him lined out wide basically as a flanker. They had him, you know, running out of the backfield, getting to the sidelines, running deep sideline routes. Awesome stuff the way Matt LaFleur is using him. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. McCarthy would have never done any of that. I try not to slag Mike, but really, 
McCarthy would have never used him the way they used him tonight. And they probably would have lost. Right? Brilliant stuff out of the backfield. And then he doesn't do much running the ball in the first half. In the second half, he really got it going, especially again towards the end. He finishes with 13 carries, 67 yards. So, if you're doing the math on that, you ready for this? 20 touches for 226 yards. Two receiving touchdowns. 226 rushing and receiving yards on 20 touch. That is 10 yards a touch, folks. That is incredible. And you know, they did a nice job. I thought Rodgers and the offense spread Rodgers and LaFleur spreading the ball around to other guys. But I mean, it's clear with Devontae Adams out. Oh, by the way, memo to the rest of the NFL. We get one of the top five receivers in the game back next week. So enjoy that. But it's clear that they know with, with Devontae out, they've got one stud as far as the skill position goes. And they're going to ride him. And you know what? <laughs> That's called not overthinking it and just doing the obvious. Sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. And that's what LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and this offense are doing. Making Jones the focal point. Brilliant stuff from him. And, you know, credit him too because he came back. You know, he was questionable. Like He hurt his shoulder in that second quarter. And we weren't even sure he was going to come back as of the half. And so really some some showing some real guts and toughness to come back in that game when I'm sure he was hurting. And then we got to talk about, right, the rifle man, the trigger man, Aaron Rodgers. 23 of 33, 305 yards, three touchdowns. A 129 rating. Huh, the old man's slipping a little bit. 158.3 last week, 129. It's not, it's not good, Aaron. It's only 29. I'm just kidding. Kidding. Great stuff. I think he's at, what, eight touchdowns and no picks in the last two weeks? It's funny. A friend of mine texts me after the game. He goes, can we put this bullshit narrative to rest now forever that he's not elite? And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't think anybody's going to say that now. <laughs> Brilliant stuff from Rodgers. He had some hiccups. Took a, I mean, he was sacked five times. A couple of those were entirely on him. Um, but really made some nice plays. Did some nice work throwing from the pocket. You know, it was a little bit... Last week, he did most of his damage from the pocket. Today was a little bit more Rodgers on the move. Also showed he still got some life left in those legs, huh? Six carries, 29 yards. He had a 15-yard run, which is really nice. Um, so not as much pocket stuff although that one like sideline throw to jones that looked like they called it a touchdown but then they said he stepped out that was from the pocket and you know again like i said last week you can just see him more and more trusting the offense and not kind of rogers's big bugaboos were hanging on to the ball too long and too much home run chasing and too quick to scramble from the pocket and kind of freelance you can see now he's just sort of running the plays that are called. He's not looking to break the pocket as much. Again, I said this last week, but you saw it tonight once more. And I really think, you know, I went to I wanted to mention this last week and I didn't. So when Mike McCarthy took over, right? We knew there was a lot of he had to clean up Favre's game. Favre was too much of the gunslinger throwing off his back foot into triple coverage, throwing across his body. McCarthy kind of came in and said, we've got to clean a lot of that stuff up. And he got Favre to buy in. And I think a lot of people were wondering if LaFleur could get Rodgers to buy in that way. You know, and he has, and you're seeing it not 
you know, Rogers was, you know, wasn't playing the gunslinger style that Favre was that needed to be cleaned up. But again, not as much home run chasing, not as much breaking the pocket, just running the offense that's called. You're seeing more of that with Rogers. I mean, the audible thing was such a big, there was such a big uproar over the audible thing in the offseason. That hasn't even been a thing. I'm sure he's checking out of some of the plays. I mean, I know he is, but he does seem to be just sort of going with what's called. So what you're seeing is Lafleur having that impact on him that McCarthy had on Favre. It's happening, folks. It is happening. It's great stuff. I mean, some of the throws, that throw he made, we'll start with the one, the Kumaro, the 34-yarder that set up the team's first touchdown. That was a brilliant throw. Great catch by touchdown Jesus as well. Whitewater Jesus, Jay Kumaro. But that was great stuff. Again, a lot of it, you know, the passes to Jones were fantastic. And, all right, so let's talk about this touchdown to Jamal Williams, right? The touchdown that put the Packers up, again, after the Lancaster fumble recovery, puts the Packers up 24-17. Now, (laughs) I think even now people are debating what, was he actually trying to throw that to Williams? Was he trying to throw to Jimmy Graham, who was in front of him? Was he trying to throw the ball out of bounds? I personally think he was trying to throw it out of bounds. That's what it looked like to me. It looked to me like he just was trying to heave it out and there just kind of happened to be a guy there. And you know, it's like they say, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And Jones or Williams made a great play to catch the ball, great play on the ball, keep his feet in bounds. Um, I don't think that that was planned. Right? Now, I think they're going to say it was, but I don't think it was. Either way, that's a throw you'll never forget from. That's a moment you'll never forget from Aaron Rodgers. I feel like I talk about it every week. These, these works of art that he gives us all the time. That's another one. That's one you're going to put in the front part of the non-existent Aaron Rodgers museum. Or maybe there will be one someday. Who knows? Um, but you know what I mean? Those, those throws just, it's just incredible that we have a guy like that quarterbacking our team. That just every week, he feels like every week he's giving us one moment. Every week or every couple weeks where you're like, wow, how did he do that? Who does that, you know? Brilliant stuff. And I just, I mean, those two guys were, I mean, they care, you know, they were they were the leaders tonight. And that was good because the defense had kind of an up and down night. I don't know where to start with the defense, I'll be honest. Okay, so let's start with just kind of an overview, I guess, right? We're, we're seeing now, we're at the midway point of the season, we're seeing this defense isn't probably quite as good as we thought after week one in that Bears game. They're going to give, they're not bad, but I think we maybe need to re, to adjust our expectations. Because look, they're going to give up some yards. They're going to at times give up a lot of yards. They're going to give up points. And I am... My big worry right now is that they can't get enough traditional stops. Do you know what I mean? By that, I mean, like, just like, you know, shutting the run game down on a big third down or coming up with a pass breakup on third down. That they rely too much on these big splash plays like sacks and turnovers. Those are not, I don't know if you can necessarily live and die on those or if you can live on those, but... So that's my big concern right now. And obviously the run defense, although I don't think the run defense, I'm going to look at the final numbers here on that. 
20 carries, 88 yards for Kansas City. And I said, no, it wasn't a touchdown. Not bad. Not terrible from the run defense. Um, so I am worried that about the run defense. And again, just this, that they need these big, splashy playmaking statistics to get off the field. You know what I mean? The things that fill up those those stat numbers. Sacks, turnovers, forced fumbles, etc. But I will say this. They're also showing, on the positive side, they're showing an ability to buckle down when necessary, right? Look at tonight. For all, for as bad as it was in that second quarter, and I mean it was tragic in that second quarter, they only gave up seven points the rest of the way. That one 10-play, 75-yard drive. And Kansas City didn't really get that close to being in scoring range even. It really was just the one drive and the seven points. So... I don't know. Is it bend, don't break? I kind of hate that term. But I do think, for lack of a better term, that's kind of what they are right now. Bend, don't break. And, you know, if they get the if they get the, the splashy plays, the sacks and the turnovers, they'll be all right. But if they don't, I don't know. Because you saw, like, in the Philadelphia game, they didn't record any of those plays, and they lost. Even, like, Oakland last week, they had, what, just the one? Well, the two turnovers. The one was Derek Carr. Almost entirely. But when they weren't getting those plays, Oakland was moving the ball up and down the field at will. So I think we need to readjust. I think it's a defense that's good. I think it's a complementary unit. But it's not. they're not going to win games because of the defense. At least I don't feel that way right now. Now, I had some people saying, do they need to trade, make a, make a trade for that group, for example, before Tuesday's deadline, say for like an inside linebacker? Um... I'll say maybe. I will say that they might need to. You know, because I've said this before, I feel like a broken record. I think Blake Martinez is, I think your defense is okay. It can be fine with him as your second best inside linebacker, but I'm not sure you can be an elite defense with Blake Martinez as your main guy. I just, I'm not sure he's that guy. I think he's a two. I don't think he's a one. Now, I don't even know who that would be, who they would be trading for. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be against it. If you didn't have to give up too much, get somebody who could come in and maybe fortify it. I don't know. Or is it a guy like Oren Burks, who's a pretty good cover guy? Do they give him more run? I don't know. But it does feel like the defense is better than we've seen in recent years, but not, you know, they're not going to, again, they're not going to carry this team. It's going to be the offense. It's... Getting back to more of the traditional Packers structure, the offense leads the way. And if the defense can just be a complimentary piece, I still think this team can can win a lot of games and go very deep in the playoffs. So that's my rambling. If you're like, Jesus, do you like the defense or not? I can't really tell. I can't really tell either. <laughs> that probably comes through in, in everything I've just said in the last five minutes. Um, that said, there were some defensive standouts. Got to start with Zedarius, obviously. Two what? Two what did he have? Two sacks tonight? Yeah. Two sacks, three quarterback hits. I, I mean and big plays too, you know. The dude just has this ability to ratchet it up when it's needed. He takes his game to that next level. And that's a, a decent that's a pretty good Kansas City offensive line. I know they've got some injuries, but he he ratchets he he ratchets his game up. That's important. Other guys. Uh, Jair Alexander made a big stick on a pass to a running back. Just absolutely leveled that dude. I can't remember who it was, but he leveled that guy, flattened him. 
Lancaster, I already talked about him. And you know who else made a big play tonight? A huge play. Third and three. I don't want this to be forgotten. Third and three, late in the game, in what turned out to be Kansas City's final offensive possession. Right? Here comes a big pass breakup by Chandon Sullivan on a play to Travis Kelsey, smacking the ball away. He timed that perfectly. Really timed that perfectly, right? Broke just at the right moment to get to Kelsey and smacked that ball away. Not too early. Did not commit pass interference. Got there. It was incredible. Great play. Great play. And he, you know, I kind of think they should maybe give him some more run because whenever the dude gets in the game, he seems to make big plays at the big interception against Dallas. And then tonight, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him. He's a he's a guy I'd like to see them give some more playing time to. And, you know, we may need to put out an all-points bulletin for where Josh Jackson is because I – is he on the team? <laughs> What a what a what a rapid descent for the guy who was a second round pick just what a couple years ago. So anyway, I'm rambling, but yeah, you know, in an in addition to the resiliency showed by the team, I love how at key moments this team something they've been doing all season they passed the baton. And here's what I mean by that. Okay, so I was watching some post game last night after one of the World Series games. AJ Hinch the Houston Astros manager, was talking about their lineup and was saying, one thing we did, I love this term he used, he said, we passed the baton, meaning they weren't relying on the big splash plays, the home runs. It was everybody kind of chipping in with singles and doubles and doing their part. And I just love that. And I thought, I kind of, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I thought, you kind of saw that tonight from this Packers team. And what I mean by that is, Right? So think about the sequence to start the second half, right? Defense gets a stop. They get off the field finally after the second quarter. They pass the baton to the offense. Offense goes down the field. Eight and a half minute drive, they get a field goal. Not a touchdown, but we want it, but a field goal. Right? So they they take the baton. They run their leg. They pass it back to the defense. Here comes Tyler Lancaster with the big fumble, force fumble, fumble recovery. Right? Then the offense takes the baton back. Rodgers to Williams in the corner of the end zone. Packers back ahead. And then late in the game, you saw the team do that too, right? Jones, the long touchdown reception. Um, Then Chandon Sullivan, which I just mentioned. He comes in with the big pass breakup. He takes the baton. The defense takes the baton from Jones. Passes it back to the offense. Offense grinds out the final five minutes in one second. Game over. Never giving Casey the ball back. That, to me, that's just so... I hope that makes sense. But you know what I mean? This kind of, that's a trademark of great teams. Of great, in any sport. That's a great, that's a great trait is passing the baton. Is you do your thing, now give it to me. I'm going to do my thing. I'll give it back to this guy. I'll give it to this guy. He does his thing. Everybody chipping in. Resiliency. Passing the baton. You're just seeing this Packer team really kind of come together. as this really dangerous force. And again, they've done this the last four weeks without Devontae Adams. That is incredible, you know? And it's going to be big because, you know, you can, you know, at this point in the season, you know, guys are a little bit tired. They still got to, they have a really late bye this year. Kind of want to talk about where they're at, the big picture here. They got a couple of weeks left before the bye. They've got to go out to the, to the uh, West Coast next week to play a game against, again, the LA Chargers. And I think, what is it, a, 8,000 person stadium, 9,000? No, it's like 25,000, I think. 
That stadium, I would guess, will be at least 60% Packer fans. At least 50, probably 60 or 65%, maybe more. It's basically a home game. But, you know, anytime you have to travel out to the West Coast, that can be difficult. Right? Then you've got Carolina. Now, they got blown out today by San Francisco, but that's still, I think, a pretty good team coming to Lambeau. I'll be at that game. Very excited. Right? So, you know what I mean? Those sorts of things, when you get, especially to this point in the season, when guys are looking forward to the bye, that resiliency, that toughness, you need that. And, of course, you're going to need it when you come out of the bye. Once we get, they basically come right out of the bye into the final stretch of the season, starting with that huge game at San Francisco. Huge game. That's going to be a mad, could be game of the year. Uh, right now. So, you know what I mean? That's like, those things are so big and the Packers have it. They have those traits that you need, that a championship team needs. And I think I'll say it. I think this could be a championship team. I think this is the first time I've said that. I think this could be a team that gets to Miami. Again, the NFC, the NFC looks, it's going to be, it looks fearsome, right? With New Orleans getting Drew Brees back. San Francisco, obviously still undefeated. Seattle, Minnesota, 6-2. and two. So I'm not saying they're going to get to Miami, but I'm saying for the first time, I really think that they're going to be one of those teams that has an inside track. So, all right, it's a, oh, geez, 29 minutes. All right, I'm gonna, I told you guys to send me some questions on Twitter. Anything, questions, concerns, comments, criticisms, I'm going to get to those right now. First question comes from my old podcast partner, my bestest friend in the world, Adam Summers, brew crewer at a Summers underscore time. If Mahomes plays, how much do they lose by? Oh, Adam, a win is a win, especially on the road and not taking anything away from it. But this defense gave me a big pause tonight. Yeah, I know you and I were texting about that during the game. Um, do they lose if Mahomes plays? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, that's such a tough what if. I would say maybe. I would say Kansas City probably does a little bit more damage. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would have at least gone overtime. I don't know if they would have lost. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer. I'm surprised, Adam. Adam, you're one of the most positive people I know. I can't believe you're... I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. I think it would have probably at least gone overtime, though, if Mahomes plays. For sure. All right. Tiffany Anderson. At Sweden527, great learning experience for players as well as coaches. Adjustments made, keep fighting. Obviously, weaknesses were exposed, but they overcame. Great team win. Yeah, and those are the things I'm talking about, right? Like, they came together. They stayed together. Even when it looked like everything was falling apart in that second quarter, they stayed together. It's something they've done all season. Look at every game they've played. Even the Philly game that they lost, every game that they put, but the seven wins, let's focus on those. Every one of those games, there's been a moment where they've been up against it. And you thought, oh, I don't know. Is, I don't know if this is, I don't know how well this is going to turn out today. And at every turn, they have overcame, great word for it. They fought back and they've come out on top. Great stuff. Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell. We've all been hurt so bad by the Packers defense over the years. That when things start to turn south, we go into the fetal position. I think the presence of a legit pass rush is what makes this D just good enough for this team to beat just about anyone. Great win. Go, Pack, go. Yeah, Justin, I agree. I think that's sort of what I've just been talking about. That 
it's not going to probably be the great defense we thought after the Thursday night opener, but I do think it's good enough to be a complimentary piece. Yeah, just good enough where with that offense and the offense continues to get better and continues to grow and they get Devontae Adams back. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know. I, I would play anybody at this point with this Packer team and say I like their chances, sure. All right. Oh, this name again. Antifa Spook Soldier. I'm not even going to get into that. At T underscore W underscore R underscore tweets. Honestly, why not 13 wins? Why not 14? Yeah. I agree. Um, underscore man. I think, uh, I mean, it's, you know, you, you hate to do too much looking ahead, but this does feel like a team. I mean, they're seven and one, right? You know, you feel, I think, pretty good about the next two weeks. The San Francisco game is tough. And then I don't know the exact order off the top of my head, but the Giants game feels like one they could win. And the Washington game definitely feels like a win. And you got those last three division games at Detroit, at Minnesota and Chicago, and those will be tough. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not going to do the going through the rest of the schedule yet. There's too much of the season remaining, but. Yeah, I think definitely they could. They could be a team that wins, I don't know about 14, but I think 13 is definitely attainable at this point. All right, Philip Voss at P underscore Voss. Defense, looked, defense looking a bit shaky. Don't understand all the soft zone being played, but a huge road win. Yeah. Um, I think the soft zone, again, was just they respected that Kansas City speed. You know, they respected um, Hill... At least on the field, he's a scumbag off the field. But, you know, they respected Hill and Kelsey and Hardman and Watkins. And, yeah, I mean, I think that their whole thing was like, don't get burned. Don't let Kansas City kill us on the big chunk plays. They didn't necessarily do a great, great job as far as that goes. But they did enough, right? It, I would have liked to have seen them be more aggressive as far as blitzing because I think when they did blitz, it felt like they had success. But for whatever reason, that's what they did. Uh, Matilla, what? Oh, he's just answering that question. Move on. Uh, Kyle Schweiger at Schweiger underscore Kyle. Mad respect for Andy Reid. Nothing short of incredible what he did with a third string QB. Just goes to show the importance of stocking up on weapons. Praying Green Bay grabs a skill guy or two early next year. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I've mentioned that yet. Great point, Kyle. Um, really impressive stuff turned in by Andy Reid tonight, which I knew he would. I said on last week's show, like, <laughs> he's just, Andy Reid is just too good of a head coach. I knew with a full week of prep, he'd have Matt Moore ready. And with those weapons, I knew he'd have some sort of plan where they weren't just going to go gently into the night against Green Bay. I just knew he, I knew. And he did. It was, that was, yeah, really impressive from him. Um... As far as your point about grabbing a skill guy or two early next year, yeah, isn't the, isn't the draft supposed to be like really ridiculously loaded with wide receivers and tight ends? Certainly wide receivers. So, yeah, I would think they would. Will they at the trade deadline? I'm interested to see. You know, one guy, Robbie Anderson from the Jets, he really would provide an element of speed. You would have him and MVS. I don't know what the Jets are asking for him. Probably, I would think, I think he's a free agent coming up. Probably a three. I mean, Sanu got a two. He'd probably a three, I would think. Maybe a four. I don't know. I might. I might do that. But, you know, I'll bang the running back drum again. 
I mean, you saw Aaron Jones got hurt tonight. I still think that's maybe a spot you make a move for. I know that I saw the day the Dolphins are not going to be playing Kenyon Drake tomorrow night. I think they're planning on trading him. That's a name. I could see the Packers maybe getting in. I think, I don't know if it's necessary, but I certainly wouldn't be against them adding. I mean, no one's ever said, oh my God, we have too many skill position players. It's not a bad thing. Um, all right. Hang on a second here. Moving on. Daniel Ray at DRay3. Question, was anyone else playing on the offense other than Jones and Rodgers? He's Daniel. Yeah, they were. Uh, Jamal Williams, obviously, in addition to his touchdown catch. I thought he ran hard tonight. He only had 22 yards on seven carries, but he had the nice touchdown run when he kind of went around the right end and bowled, followed that wall and bowled his way into the end zone. Touchdown catch, obviously, again, Jake Kumaro made that really, really nice 34-yard sliding catch. Lazard, 5 for 42, but I thought you noticed him tonight as a receiver and as a blocker. Jimmy Graham, I mean, only 3 for 20. He had that one run where he picked up the first down. It was like 3rd and 10, and he caught a pass for like 4 yards. Jimmy was just using every bit of juice he had left in the tank. Every bit of juice in those old legs, man. He was he was huffing and puffing, and he got it. That was nice. Um... So, yeah, they had some other performances. The offensive line obviously played very well. But, no, those guys were the leaders, of course. Um, Green Bay Dave at Whiskey DR. Why can't Allison – this is a good question. Why can't Allison get going? He's big and should be easy to get open, but he gets few balls thrown his way. Is it because of the absence of Adams, or is there more there? That's a really interesting question, Dave. Because Allison, did he do anything? One catch for seven yards on three targets? I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting because up to the point when he got hurt last year, it felt like Rodgers was really singing his praises and really liked him. And it does sort of feel like he's fallen out of favor a little bit. I don't know if that's Rodgers or the new offense. That's a great question. Um, he does seem to have all the skills you'd be looking for as far as raw physical tools. But the drops have been an issue, and I just kind of wonder if he hasn't fallen out of favor a little bit, you know? But it'll be interesting to see how that develops. And then finally, K. Rudolph at Scient West. Nice to see Kumaro make a tough catch and Lazard try to bowl people over into the end zone. Which new receivers have made the most strides this season, including MVS? There's another really great question. Um, which new receivers? Well, I think they've all kind of made... I mean, Kumaro is starting to come on now that he's healthy. He's making more of an impact. Lazard, I mean, I'm hashtag Team Lazard. I've been saying that since last summer. I, I love the way that kid's developing. MVS, quiet night, only one catch for four yards, although I think he's still working his way back from that injury and just, you know, the ball didn't go his way tonight, but I like the way he's developing. MVS, again, is a second-round player. He's a second-year player, and he was a fifth-round draft pick, sixth-round draft pick. So where he's at, I mean, he wasn't, and that dude played at South Florida. He didn't play at like Ohio State or USC. So for a sixth round pick in his second year, I really liked, I like the way they're all developing. I don't know if there's any stars in that group, but with Devontae, I'm not sure there needs to be. I, I like the way they're all developing. So that's a good question. All right, so that's it. Is that all for the Twitter questions? Boy, a lot of questions tonight. Thank you guys for sending them. I really appreciate that. Love the interaction. Okay, so 
we're at the 40 minute mark. Oh my God. This is like a Bruce Springsteen concert podcast for me. Um, I just do quick. Uh, we look ahead now again, next week, Sunday, 325 PM Lambo time. Uh, they'll be playing at, is it StubHub stadium against the Los Angeles chargers? Chargers beat the bears today. Their season has not gone the way. I think a lot of people thought, I think a lot of people had them as a potential Super Bowl team. They've had some injuries and stuff. I didn't realize today until the Bears game. Kind of how when the announcers were talking about how beat up they've been this year. They've had some injury stuff. Melvin Gordon obviously held out for a while. He's back. But, I mean, Rivers is Rivers, you know. And anytime you're playing a guy against a guy like Phillip Rivers, his team always has a chance. So the Packers can't take these guys lightly. They've got to go in ready to play. It should be a home crowd. Basically, that'll help them. That'll be very interesting. And, of course, I'll be back to cover that win, lose, or draw next Sunday evening. Until then, I am Chris Lempesis. Thank you for listening. This has been Lem's Talk and Pack. Go, Pack, go.